0: Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 133, for the 4th of February, 2014. I'm Chester Wisniewski, here with Paul Ducklin. Welcome, Paul.
1: Hello, Chester. I heard that in a very indirect way, your brothers and sisters down in Seattle won the Super Bowl. So, uh, Microsoft did it at last.
0: (laughs) That's... That's that's correct for those uh, for, I guess for these five billion people on planet Earth that may not have watched the game, uh, the Seattle Seahawks succeeded in, uh, in in defeating the Denver Broncos and and uh, I guess you know here in Vancouver we don't have an American football team so a lot of folks here were pretty happy to see our sister city in Seattle succeed in their sporting venture, but things are still happening here in Vancouver that are much more important to the world of computer security, uh, primarily the annual event known as Pwn2Own, which is part of the CANSEC West Security Conference. It will be occurring, I believe, somewhere around the 12th of March uh, here in Vancouver. What's the focus of this year's pwn to own
1: Well, Chester, the interesting thing this year, like last year, is how the prize money's been divided up by HP, the company that's bankrolling the prizes. With Java, getting into your browser through Java, worth $30,000. Getting in through Flash or or Adobe Reader, $75,000. Getting in through Firefox straight is only worth $50,000. And this year, both IE 11 and Google Chrome carry a big prize of $100,000 each. Whether that's because that's where HP want people to focus their attempts because they're the most popular browsers. I don't know whether it reflects the comparative difficulty.
0: So there's also an Uber Prize this year uh, that that they're calling the the Unicorn Prize. And, and, uh, you know, I was was slightly disappointed with the naming of Unicorn because here in British Columbia, we're quite uh, well known for our Sasquatch, our Bigfoot. But uh, I guess they chose Unicorn instead. What is this Unicorn?
1: Well, Unicorn, mythical beast, has a very Pointy bit on the front. Maybe that's why they chose it, because you're going to sort of put in the thin end of the wedge and then expand your attack until you get the desired result. This grand prize is worth $150,000, and it's not just enough to get remote code execution through the browser. You have to get system level execution. You have to have uh, Windows 8.1, 64 bit, plus Internet Explorer 11, plus Microsoft EMET, the Enhanced Mitigation Experience Toolkit, which is the sandbox's sandbox that you can use to wrap programs like your browser to provide yet another layer of protection. So you'll, you'll have to escape from the browser's sandbox, you'll have to escape from the sandbox that the browser's sandbox is running in, and then you'll have to perform an escalation of privilege in order to get that system-level remote code execution. But if you can do that, there is 150 large waiting for you. You have 30 minutes. Your time starts now.
0: Well, now I understand why they call it the unicorn. Uh, it reminds me, I guess, of of saying, let's let's hack into Windows Vista, because there may be one person out there who actually likes Windows 8.1 and is running EMET.
1: Well, Chester, if you don't like Windows 8.1 64-bit... Then you have a very limited choice for this year's phone to own. It's almost all about Windows 8.1. There's no 32-bit stuff, and the only alternative you have is the $65,000 prize for getting in through Apple's Safari browser on the latest OS 10 Mavericks. So that's it. It's Windows 8.1 64-bit or OS 10 Mavericks.
0: Take your pick. Well, thanks for that, Duck. Um, I, I saw you wrote about another interesting. I guess, exploit methodology, if you would call it that, uh, on the Android platform. I mean, I, I've been an Android user for a long time, and, and I often take advantage of some of the cool things you can do through the software development kit using their tool called ADB that allows you to kind of uh, command line interact with your Android device through the USB port on it if it's in developer mode. Crooks are trying to exploit this now? So what the crooks have done here is they've obviously said to themselves, you know, there are
1: quite a few people in the Android world, not necessarily developers, who use the Android debug bridge, ADB, because it's very handy. It's a simple way of installing and reinstalling applications, backing up files, all that sort of stuff. But it comes with a risk that if you install an application over the USB cable using this debug bridge, then as it warns you when you turn the feature on, It doesn't matter whether you've got Play Store only or not, it's going to work. And that's exactly what this malware does. It arrives as a Windows malware, which goes out and downloads a configuration file. The configuration file says fetch this particular Android malware and a whole load of ancillary stuff, including the ADB, the Android Debug Bridge program to go with it, and then it makes an effort to install it onto your device. So if you have ADB turned on and your phone plugged in, then you could be at risk if you get the Windows malware. Not very likely to hit many people, but an interesting twist on how you get in through the back door, a sort of air gap jumper, if you like.
0: Yeah, that is very interesting. And, uh, you know, I I never, I don't personally tether my phone to my computer unless I'm intending to actually use the ADB. But I can imagine a lot of people who uh, may have have loaded the software for other purposes and, and, you know, just casually leave their phone plugged in for charging purposes and things, falling victim to that.
1: Yes, I think the charging is the big one. The trick is either don't turn on developer mode, turn off developer mode when you're not using it, or if you're going to have ADB enabled, then make it so that it asks you every time your computer tries to connect. Don't choose the option that says, oh, allow connections from my computer all the time because I trust it. For a developer, that's convenient because it stops it asking you every time. But if you're just using ADB occasionally, like you and I do for non-development purposes, then that's a great safeguard because it means if something tries to inject malware onto your phone unexpectedly, you'll see a warning pop up. And unless you say yes, then the installation will simply fail.
0: Great advice as always, Paul. Now, there was a lot of uh, rumbling in the press last week about this yahoo under massive attack of password guessing blah 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 i i looked into it a bit and all i could really see is that it looks like crooks are using the adobe passwords and throwing them at the wall to see what sticks at yahoo did, did you get a different impression not really chester
1: it seems a little bit like yahoo's announcement that they were going to shift to 2048 bit ssl keys just in time to meet the standards that they're supposed to be adopting anyway so it does look as though they've kind of caught up with what other services have done some months ago if somebody has reused a password and may not have realized it then looking for that and doing something about it is a good idea but you're right maybe if they'd done it a little while
0: ago uh, it would have been an even better idea it may sound a little rude, but I think this time it means that Yahoo is only four months behind as opposed to maybe a year or two years behind, like in adopting two-factor authentication as an option or, as you say, offering SSL at all for things like Yahoo Mail. Historically, they've been significantly behind a lot of their peers in the space. So, you know, four months behind is better than a year behind, right?
1: Yes, and uh, it's nice to hear you mention two-factor authentication, I can say this because you probably don't want to because it would seem immodest. I loved your article summarizing two-factor authentication, what it is, why you should use it, what it does, and how it works with all the popular social networking and other online services out there. So any naked security reader who hasn't seen that article yet from Chester about two-factor authentication, go and take a look because it's an excellent overview of the what, why, and how.
0: Thanks, Paul. It's something I'm going to try to keep up to date as well and expand the list of organizations that offer 2FA and what type they offer. The last story we have is going to kind of end with an update on the Target breach. Uh, As usual, our friend Brian Krebs is breaking, continually breaking news on this story. And in this case, it it looks like the lateral movement within Target after uh, however they got in from the outside, we're not sure how the crooks necessarily broke through the hard shell to get to the soft GUI center. But once they were inside, they were able to move about using some default credentials. But hey, don't worry, you can't log in using those credentials, right?
1: That is how I understand it, Chester. I'll read off Brian's own website here. It says, knowing the password should not be important as you cannot log into the computer using this account. The password is known internally and used internally by the software agent. So you can't log in and play world of warcraft so there's no risk whatsoever but any service that knows this password can pretty much do whatever it wants and it appears that that's the way that the crooks collected the data centrally from where they could exfiltrate it because they had this privileged account that was able to collect data from all over the network drop it in a, all in a central place and then recover it later do i understand that correctly that that's how it's surmised that the attack went down
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean it it's just astounding to me to think that you wouldn't use that method if it was available to you. I'm looking at this and I'm going, "Hey, if I go and create a new account in the active directory uh, as the criminal, so you know, I might raise some alarms, right? And especially if I create an administrative account. I mean, it's it really is a good practice for organizations to regularly audit their active directory and see which accounts have administrative privilege and, uh, you know, are they in active use and, and who do they belong to and, you know, this type of thing. So why raise a red flag when there's ready-made accounts with default passwords? I mean, do we need to go into this default password thing, Paul? I mean, even even the $39 D-Link router I bought is smart enough to no longer have a default password and force me to create one when I turn the thing on.
1: I think, Chester, here the problem is worse than a default password. It's hardwired. It's known, and that doesn't matter because the account cannot be used for interactive logins. Yeah. A headless server never has interactive logins, but yet is able to do some amazing things online. The irony of all of this is I understand that the software is actually some kind of uh, performance assurance for Microsoft servers.
0: The interesting part for me that I've been asked a lot by journalists the last couple of months is, hey, it looks like... Target was PCI compliant, and it was just this immensely clever malware that was able to defeat all the protective, prescriptive things in the PCI standards in order to compromise the environment. And I think quite specifically, PCI prohibits uh, having service accounts with default or static passwords, and it also makes you rotate them. So that kind of implies that Target may not have in fact been PCI compliant. Uh, You know, I'm not here to say PCI would have saved the day, but PCI you know, points out things like this as being a very bad practice because these aren't always thought of or always checked by everyone, and that's why it's in the standard.
1: To software developers who are selling software that comes with services that run with high privilege, never fall back on that reasoning that, hey, she'll be right because no one will ever log in with that account. Most of the things that happen on servers happen through service processes that don't rely on interactive logins. That's the whole idea they're supposed to run when nobody is using the computer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that I remember back uh, in the day, 10 years ago or so, when I started at Sophos, one of the most commonly exploited services on Windows was Alsace, the, the security provider. Of course, it's not an interactive login, but it's a very highly privileged process, isn't it?
1: You know, saying, oh, it'll be fine, is like saying, look, if you leave the keys in the glove box in your car... It'll be fine, because as long as the motor's not running, then any crook who gets in the driver's seat isn't going to know how to start it anyway, and they'll never think to look in the glove box.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, I will end the podcast on that note. That's a very good point, Paul. And, uh, you know, we are up for an award this year at the RSA conference in San Francisco. The last week of February, a bunch of us uh, from the Sophos team are going to be presenting and uh, talking at the stand, so we welcome you to come visit us. We're right at the front of the South Exhibition Hall, where we're always at, and look forward to meeting and spending time with you all. And for those of you who are security bloggers, um, we're up for an award as the blog that best represents the security industry, which we would be very proud to be named if we can can, uh, get the votes. So we welcome you to get out there and vote. Paul, you have the information on, I guess, if you're a blogger, you'll know how to find it.
1: Chester, the easiest way to get there is probably just to use your favorite search engine and look for Security Bloggers Awards 2014. If you know your way around the security bloggers scene, it's ashimi.com.
0: And on that note, this concludes Software Security Chat Chat 133. As always, for the latest security news, please visit nakedsecurity.sophis.com. And for all of our podcasts and our RSS feed, you can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher directory or at soundcloud.com slash Until next time, stay secure.